Hello, hello! Welcome back to another story about the Peters children. This week's story is about what happens after Mr. Matt, the painter, has applied a fresh coat of paint onto all of the bedrooms upstairs in the Peters' home. As we do every week, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week, we didn't have a winner. The song was Blessed Be the Tie That Binds from the story Pearson and Penelope's Birthday Parties. So let's change that this week and have a winner, huh? All right, now it's time for this week's story, Pearson's Paint Problem. The end of summer brought an unusual thunderstorm, so Pearson and Penelope Peters found themselves having to play inside all day long. The end of summer also brought the realization that time was short, and that only a few days remained before school was to begin. So Pearson and Penelope were eking the most out of those days. Mama Peters also knew that time was getting away from her, and intended to launch into the school year with some home improvement projects. Daddy Peters had hired a painter to fix some old walls, put up some crown molding, and install new baseboards throughout the entire house. So it was that Mr. Matt, painter and handyman extraordinaire, had been in the house for a few days until late at night. Because he was working on the family room and dining room, Pearson and Penelope were stuck playing upstairs with their twin sisters, Patience and Priscilla. The upstairs bedrooms had been painted the week before and had new wainscoting in a crisp white that made the bedrooms look especially winsome. The pitter-patter of rain on the roof and windows served as an idyllic backdrop to the peaceful play in Pearson's room. Pearson was on the floor playing with his train set and his amazing three figurines, the superhero of the bunch was playing over the top of the train, declaring his determination to keep it safe from harm that was about to be inflicted on it by some nefarious outlaws. Pearson was acting out every part. Don't worry, passengers. I will keep you safe. Safe? Ha! You'll be lucky to be alive, amazing man. Pearson yelled back at himself in his best mocking outlaw voice. Just try me! In contrast to Pearson's play with his brash characters, Penelope's portrayal of Patience and Priscilla's mom was quieter and gentler. In addition to Penelope's pretense of being mom to her twin sisters, who were now her twin daughters, there was a whole host of other children in the mix in the form of little Miss Molly dolls, and Penelope loved being mom to all of her children, real or otherwise. Okay, ladies, it's time to have our tea. In her best mom's nurturing voice, Penelope handed each of the girls a little glass teacup. Patience, Priscilla, the Miss Molly dolls, and their mom Penelope sat down in their little chairs at the toddler table, while Penelope guided the girls through the most mannerly way to take tea time. The toddler twins weren't very good at following directions and were soon distracted. They were rolling on the floor and playing with the various toys strewn about the room. Penelope, though, like most good moms, didn't discourage easily, and she was determined to be a good pretend mom to her little daughters and to teach them how to properly attend a tea party, even one that was entirely fake. Penelope handed out the crumpets, which were actually two mini frisbees, and the circular lid to Penelope's pretend lotion. The twins, and the little Miss Molly dolls, pretended to chomp down on the plastic frisbees, though thankfully they didn't bite hard enough to break any of them. Penelope was pleased with her antics, and she too pretended to bite down on the make-believe crumpets. These crumpets are utterly delightful, aren't they, ladies? Penelope and Patience responded in their typical gibberish, 
which was good enough for Penelope, who smiled in approval. Pearson, who had become distracted by the girl's fake fawning over the food, had quietly abandoned his food of Amazing Man Saves a Train. Hey, anyone want to play Amazing Man with me? I need someone who can be the outlaws. No thanks, Pierce. We're having an enchanting time having our tea party. Enchanting? Pearson responded. He wasn't exactly surprised by Penelope's ever-growing vocabulary. But if truth be told, he wasn't positive he knew what enchanting meant. Oh, quite, Penelope answered back tritely, acting as though her new vocabulary word had been a fixture in her mind since she had learned to walk, when in actuality, she had just learned the word the day before at church. It was when all the children had been sitting in class listening to the story of Saul and how he had ordered everyone not to eat a single item of food for the entire day until Israel had beaten off the Philistines. Jonathan, Saul's son, was unaware of the vow, and he had dipped his walking stick into a mouth-watering mass of honey on the ground. Their Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Harwood, had described the honey as ooey, gooey, sticky, sweet, golden, yummy honey, and Penelope was completely enthralled by the tale. Without realizing it, she had begun licking her lips at the thought of the honeybee treat. Billy Henderson, another student in the class, had also been listening, had shot his hand high in the air. Mrs. Harwood, who was ensconced in telling the story, didn't notice Billy's hand in the air. And so Billy's hand began to weigh heavily on his arm, and soon the burden of holding it up forced him to use his other hand to support his raised hand. He began to grow impatient, so he began to frenetically wave his hand in the air. He would have done just about anything to get Mrs. Harwood's attention. When Mrs. Harwood finally noticed Billy's hand, she called out his name and gave him permission to speak. Mrs. Harwood, was the forest enchanted? The question seemed to take Mrs. Harwood by surprise. So she repeated Billy's question. Was the forest enchanted? Not content to wait for the answer, Billy chimed in. Yes, was the forest enchanted? Like, you know, how forests are enchanted? Like they always have trees that are kind of, they're kind of alive and, and, and vines that will capture you and stuff. And, and, and there's always magical fairies who fly around in the trees and stuff. So was the forest that Jonathan was walking through for the honey, was that an enchanted forest? Like were the bees magical? And, and is, is that why the honey was so good? By now, Mrs. Harwood looked downright confounded by the suggestion that the biblical narration could possibly have included magic. Uh, well, 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 oh no, Billy, Mrs. Harwood was stammering by now. Enchantment is synonymous with magic. Sometimes we use it to mean that we are charmed by something, like like we might find something enchanting, but that just means that we, we find it really whimsical. Unfortunately, Mrs. Harwood had made the amateur error of defining a three-syllable word with another three-syllable word, which begged for yet another question from Billy. However, Mrs. Harwood certainly couldn't afford to waste any more time on Billy's questions, and she remarked that his question was a 1231 question, which is how she referred to distractions. A 1231 question meant that it was a question for the very minute after Sunday school was to be dismissed and nothing was left to do except to await moms and dads for pickup time. There was the chance that Billy would likely forget his question, although Penelope figured the odds of him forgetting were not very good because Billy was the pushy type. Penelope's thoughts were quickly interrupted, though, by the beginning of the song of the week, Take My Life and Let It Be. But Penelope had learned a new word, and she intended to use it the very first chance she got. And that's how it came to be that she described her tea party with the twins and little Miss Molly dolls as enchanting 
the very next day after hearing it in Sunday school. The voice of Mama Peters telling everyone to come downstairs for lunch suspended their play for the time being. Penelope picked up Patience, Pearson picked up Priscilla, and as fast as they could, they dashed downstairs to the dining room where Mr. Matt had been working on the dining room walls. Mr. Matt, too, had stopped for lunch, which he was eating on the back porch. Though Mama Peters invited Mr. Matt to join them every single day, he was the polite type, and he didn't want to horn in on the family's time together. Mama Peters had laid out quite a spread for lunch. Yum! Mama Peters, you made chicken quesadillas and fresh pico de gallo with the tomatoes from the garden. Penelope couldn't hide her excitement. Yes, little lady, I did. Daddy Peters is going to be so happy tonight when he gets home from work to fresh pico de gallo with his wonderful harvest. Mmm, 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 was Pearson's response as he sat down at the table. All right, let's pray so we can eat. And Mama Peters began praying. Lord God, we're so thankful for the random rain. It's random to us, but not to you. We're thankful for the noise of the thunder and the bright flashes of the lightning. This unusual day, when even just a might of your power is on display in creation, reminds us that this display of your power, of the lightning and thunder, is nothing but a modicum of the unleashing of your miraculous power in nature when you bring your great judgment. We are thankful that as believers, we can escape your wrath, but we plead with you to save these little twins here at the table in your time. We pray for those in our extended family and our neighbors who don't know Jesus that you would draw them to your glorious gift of salvation. We thank you for giving us a reminder of your awesome glory and your wonderful plan. You are supreme and there is no one like you. We love you and we're thankful too for the food you have provided. Thank you for the provision of sunshine and rain and water that caused the growth of the tomatoes in Daddy Peters' garden. In your precious name, amen. Mama Peters, do you think that the thunder is is only just a little bit compared to all the stuff that's going to happen after Jesus comes back? Pearson couldn't help but sound concerned. Of course, Pearson. The power of God unleashed in his wrath is so great that no one can stand. It will be deafening and astounding. There is no vocabulary word on earth that could describe the awesome second coming of Christ or of the wrath that God will bring. Ooh, that's super scary. Penelope shuddered at Mama Peters' words. It is, because God is scary. But if you know Jesus, you need not fear, because he has nothing but love for you. His wrath is not anything that he will lay on his children. Phew! Well, I'm glad I know Jesus, Pearson announced but I'm sad for Patience and Priscilla. Pearson, thankfully there's time, and the Lord has mercy on little ones who do not know their right hand from their left. That's what the book of Jonah says. Oh, good. Pearson was relieved. Mama Peters replied that she would read a few verses that Pastor Felstow had opened the service with yesterday. He had read from Psalm 29, 3 and 4, as the lightning bolts had lit up the sky, and the thunder had crashed down, and the sound of the pummeling rain almost drowned out his voice, Mama Peters began to read from the Bible. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Though Pearson and Penelope continued to eat, they were intently listening as Mama Peters read the verses. In between bites, Pearson noticed that he was thankful for the rain and that the lightning show had been such a spectacular sight. In seconds, though, Penelope changed the subject. Mama Peters! This pico is scrumptious, Penelope said through a full mouth. Ha! From judgment to salsa. 
Isn't God kind to give us all good things on earth? Thank you, Pen. Mama Peters was smiling. But for the sounds of crunching and chomping and chewing, the ravenous family ate in silence the rest of lunchtime. After lunch, Mama Peters gave them each an icy pop, a special summertime treat which consisted of a plastic tube of frozen flavored ice. They all sucked on their icy pops, and after cleaning up the dining room table, the children made their way back upstairs to resume their playtime. Penelope agreed to play with Pearson while the twins napped. She did so reluctantly, though, because she felt it was rather unfair that she always had to be the bad guys, but her big brother convinced her that she was the best at it. In a serious turn of events, Amazing Man had to try to rescue a lady in distress who was just about ready to be lowered into a swamp full of hungry crocodiles. Penelope, acting the part of the evil outlaw, yelled loudly, You'll never catch us, Amazing Man! You can only save her and leave us free, or you can leave her to die, and we are caught! The dilemma is yours! Penelope shouted in her most wicked-sounding voice. She also happened to enjoy her use of the word dilemma, a new word recently learned from a Little Miss Molly story. Ha! You think you're so clever, Billy the Kiddo! But don't you worry! Amazing Man always has a plan! As fast as lightning, the kind that had lit up the sky earlier in the day, Amazing Man, who looked exactly like Pearson, grabbed the lady in distress from the crocodile-filled swamp. Pearson threw the Amazing Man at the escaping outlaws. Only in real life, he threw Amazing Man a little too hard and far and bang! Amazing Man hit the freshly painted wainscoting quite hard and made a small nick in the new paint. Penelope gasped and looked with wide eyes at Pearson. Pearson! Penelope was horrified. Oh, no! Pearson's stomach sank in horror. Penelope and Pearson got close to the wall and examined it carefully. Pearson, you'd better tell Mama Peters. She's not going to be too thrilled. I know, Nellie. I'm going to. Well, while I go to the bathroom, maybe you should go downstairs and tell her. Penelope left the room. Only a moment later, after Penelope had gone to the bathroom, Mama Peters walked into the room. Pearson, where is Nellie, and what was that loud bang? Loud, loud bang, Mama Peters? Pearson, there was a very loud bang coming from the direction of this room. I could hear it downstairs. Oh, that loud bang. Yeah, yeah, there was a loud bang, for sure. Well, what was the loud bang? Mama Peters was beginning to get aggravated by Pearson's obvious lack of transparency. Ah, the loud bang. Yes, uh, there was for sure a loud bang. Pearson Michael Peters. What was the loud bang? Well, Mama Peters, we were just playing. And then, did Mr. Matt finish in the dining room? No, he didn't, Pearson. So what were you saying? Mama Peters was not about to be distracted by Pearson's attempts to deflect. Well, we were playing, and and then Penelope was playing like she was the bad guy, um, Billy the Kiddo, and an amazing man uh, uh, was determined to rescue the damsel in distress, and and then the outlaws were about to kill her and stuff, and so yeah. He had no more time to continue the long story when Mama Peters gasped, (gasps) Pearson! What in the world happened to the wainscoting? Who made a nick in it? A nick? Pearson moseyed up real close to the wall and squinted his eyes to try to look closely at the nick. Pearson, here's the deal. 
I can tell you're hedging and trying to avoid answering me, but do you remember Proverbs 28.13, the verse we learned together last year during devotions? He who conceals, and I know that you know conceal means to hide, let me start again. He who conceals his transgression, or his sin, will not prosper. But he who confesses his sin will receive mercy. Pearson, if you confess, you'll not only receive mercy, but your heart will feel cleansed because you're being truthful. Oh, Mama Peters, I didn't mean to. I I threw Amazing Man to try to kill the outlaws and and, and Billy the Kid, and and I missed him, and, and it hit the wainscoting, and I'm so, so sorry. Pearson, you should not have thrown the toy, but it sounds like you already know that. But beyond that, you shouldn't have even tried to deceive me. It is so much better to simply confess than to try to hide your sin. You didn't mean to cause that, though you didn't obey and you threw the toy. The disobedience was because you know we don't throw toys. I know, Mama Peters, and I just got carried away. I didn't even think about it, and I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me for trying to conceal my sin? Of course, my son. I forgive you, but you must be disciplined. You tried to deceive me, and that wasn't right. We should never lie or hide from the Lord. He sees all things, and he wants us only to repent. I know, Mama Peters, and and I feel terrible about it. And so whatever discipline I get, I deserve. Well, you'll definitely need to fix this wall. Mr. Matt can give you some paint, and you can repaint that spot. And after that, you'll need to come downstairs for a snack. Pearson who had been waiting to hear about how many days he would have to miss treats, looked up in surprise. That's it, Mama Peters? I'll just have to paint that spot? But I was wrong. I I disobeyed, first of all. I didn't exactly intentionally disobey you, but I got carried away and and I threw the toy, even though we have a rule that we don't throw toys in the house. And then it was bad enough that I did that, and then I didn't even admit it at first. I, I tried to evade your questions and and hide my sin. And I deserve I, I deserve to be to, to to be disciplined. Pearson, you do deserve discipline, and you do have to make it right in terms of the damage caused. So you'll have to repaint that wall or paint that spot, whatever Mister Matt decides is the best resolution. But the wonderful, glorious thing to remember is that. God made it right at the cross when Jesus shed his blood and forgave the sins of all who believe. And it seems like you already understand that, so I don't think any further consequences or discipline are needed. Oh, Mama Peters, what grace! Thank you! Pearson threw his arms around Mama Peters' neck. Dear son, what grace and love has God lavished on us? And I'm thankful that you understand his grace and mercy. Now get to work on that wall, Buster. Yes, ma'am. Pearson gave Mama Peters a playful salute and bounded downstairs to get some advice and some paint from Mr. Matt. His heart felt cleansed and he felt forgiven. And he couldn't help but recite under his breath, He who confesses his sin will receive mercy. Lord, thank you for Mama Peters' mercy, but most of all, thanks for your mercy. Hello, this is Grandmom's Corner. As I listened to this week's story, I was struck by how merciful God is 
and how he pours out an abundance of blessings on those who know Jesus and even on those who don't know him. I thought of the unbelievably heavy lightning, thunder, and rain we had on Sunday in Northern California. In the area where we live, we don't normally have that kind of weather in the summertime, so it was definitely strange. And we've had temperatures over 100 for days on end. Making matters even worse are all the fires in our area. We aren't in harm's way, but the fires are dangerous for those who live in close proximity to them. The acrid smell of smoke permeates our air. But we really enjoyed having rain on Sunday, and we loved the lightning display. It lit up the entire sky. On Sunday and Monday, we didn't even have to water our backyard because there was so much water from the rain. My husband and I have a little pumpkin patch in our backyard. We water it nearly every day. They grow because of volunteer planting. That means that we take the gourds and the pumpkins, no matter what kind, no matter what color or shape or size, and we take them all and we throw them into this little area of our backyard and we mulch them and mash them up. If you know anything about pumpkins, you'd know the vines grow like wildfire. They grow everywhere. We also have a planter box where we're growing tomatoes, but the planter box is filled with a proliferation of pumpkin vines too. Yesterday I was watering and looking for any new pumpkins I could find. I also love watching the bees that God has provided to help along with the growing process. Anyway, yesterday when I didn't find any pumpkins which were ready to pick, I just kind of silently, wistfully said, Lord, I'd love to see a new pumpkin today. And guess what happened? As I continued to explore the pumpkin patch, what do you think I saw? I saw a nice-sized green-striped pumpkin, and it still looks like it has some growing to do, so I didn't pick it. But I was captivated by God's gift of that pumpkin. I hadn't noticed it before yesterday, and it just seemed to me that God had me pray that prayer, and then He answered it almost immediately. That's an example of God's kindness and grace. Grace is when we get something that we don't deserve, and mercy is when we don't get what we really deserve. Mama Peters gave Pearson a snack something he didn't deserve because he'd disobeyed and thrown a toy in the house. But she had mercy on him and didn't discipline him in the way he thought she might and the way he deserved. And that's how I think of that pumpkin patch. I think of the little bees that God has designed to help the pumpkins grow. How God, in His grace, just gives us things like bees and pumpkins to enjoy and delight in. Matthew 5.45 says, He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What do plants need to make them grow? They need water and they need sun, right? And here it says that God brings both of those things, the sun and the rain, to people who love him and even people who don't. We plan to be here next week, the Lord willing, with a new story. Bye for now.